All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, August 24th of 2022. Thank you for tuning into the stream here today. Uh, my name is Jordan. I am the head coach here at SaberSim. And on the show, I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. So if you have questions for me, uh, fire away in YouTube chat. You can also ask your questions in the Office Hours channel in Slack or emailing us, support at sabersim.com. We have a few questions in front of us here uh, for today already. It looks like a um, couple questions on editing exposures here, uh, also a process of review, um, fill methods. So a, a few different things, uh, a couple different um, things to get into here as we get started, but all things considered, uh, not too busy of a questions queue in front of us here for today. So, uh, definitely if you have a question you'd like to ask, fire away at me now, uh, in the chat and we will get to them shortly here. We'll just go ahead. We'll just start knocking these out in the order that they came in. Uh, first, uh, from Jesse James here. And uh, a question says, I have a question regarding order of operations in step three. Typically, I adjust team exposures, then batter exposures, then pitcher exposures, then stack construction exposures. Uh, if I adjust a pitcher exposure, uh, that will obviously affect batter exposures, which in turn impacts team exposures. Uh, and that can impact lineup construction since adjustments are not done in a vacuum. Uh, does it make a difference where you start adjusting or does it all even out in the end? So I'm getting a build started here so we can answer this question. This is a good question. Uh, I think this is the first time somebody's asked this um, and having read it, I'm a little kind of surprised because I think this is actually, uh, I, I, I've had to think about this before without realizing that you're kind of thinking about it. So um, we'll give this a second to build. I will talk a little bit about what my order is. Um, I'll talk about a couple things to look out for, but I think the broad answer here the general answer is that it doesn't really matter in terms of like a strategic or ev standpoint right you're not there's not one way that is more right or will deliver better results over the long term i think there are a couple different things based on your particular strategy that can make this a little bit easier than it or uh easier than it than it could be um or, you know, there's way, that's that's not the way I meant to say that. There are ways to do this that can make it harder than it needs to be, uh, is where my head was going there. So uh, we'll let this build. I'm going to build a full 1500 lineup pool here, um, and we'll go that direction. It does look like, sadly here, my camera died. <laughs> so we'll do this one no cam today. Um, I've been on... Um, been using the camera all day today here. I just actually was recording behind the Sims uh, with Matt and Elijah. I had the camera on for most of that. Um, and we've had some other calls throughout the morning here. And it just seems like this camera uh, does not get too happy once it goes for, for two or three hours in a row. Um, so a cameraless office hours today. That's okay, though. Um, we'll keep it going. But anyway. Okay. So we've got our big build here. Um, so what I always start with for what it is worth is typically stacks. Um, mostly because I, I generally am like most confident about what stacking types I'm willing to play the earliest on in the process. Whereas like pitchers and team and batter exposures, there's probably, I don't like just approach this slate without having seen anything, know what pitchers and what pitcher exposure I want and what stack and team batter exposure I want. So for me, I like to start with the stacks because I, and this may be changing soon. Um, 
I am more confident in the idea that smaller stack sizes are viable every single day. Um, but at least recently, like I know uh, that I want to eliminate three, 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 two, and maybe three, three, two, and maybe three, two, two, and maybe three, three stacks just right off the bat. And it's just very easy for me to just get that done. Um, from there, I would probably typically go and start doing my individual hitter exposure most of the time, because again, that's more of something that I just do every single time. I do it consistently every time. Um, and it's less about strategy and more about risk tolerance. So I might go and see, you know, okay, highest overall exposed batter in the entire pool is around 30 in around 30% of my lineup. So I might say, Hey, I don't want more than 30% of any one batter. And I'll start going through and doing this. And I'm not going to go through the whole process, but I might start doing that. Then I might go and start looking at like pitchers or stacks. And maybe I decide, you know, that I don't want more than 50% of the chalk pitcher or something like this. I think the most important thing to, and then, then let's actually, let's do stacks here real, real quick one more time. And let's do for this one instead, let's see if we can get some leverage on, um, like a low-owned team. I assume that the Royals are probably low-owned. So we'll do something like that, right? The most important thing is ultimately the order that you're doing this doesn't matter a ton. It's not going to make a big difference. But as you go through, you'll probably need to go back through and iterate on each step, right? By adjusting your hitting, ex by adjusting your stack exposures and pitcher exposures, you may have, see, now I'm getting more than 30% of a couple different hitters. So if I do want that 30% to remain a hard cap, I would need to go back in here and kind of iterate. So basically the way ultimately I, I do it, like when I'm editing these exposures is I will go through, I will edit everything I want and then go back to the very first thing I looked at. Right. So I'll edit everything I want. I'll get everything the way I want it. And then I'll go back to my stack types and make sure the stack types still look the way I want it. And then make any changes there. And then I'll go back and I'll make sure that the individual hitter exposure still looks the way I wanted it. And then I'll go back and make sure that the pitcher exposure still looks the way I wanted it. And then I'll actually go and iterate again one more time after that. And eventually it will just settle into actually what you want. Um, but Good question. Uh, again, a short answer, not a, not a wrong way to do it. I think the most important thing is to to just iterate and make sure that you're not changing one exposure when you're editing another. So uh, anyway, good way to get us started. I do see we have a lot other people joining us here now. Welcome, everybody. The uh, camera is sadly uh, out of battery right now. I've been doing streams and podcast recording all morning, and it it died, even though it's plugged in. I don't know why it dies, but it dies. So we're cameraless today. Um, we have a couple questions in our queue. If you guys have questions for me, fire away at me now, and we'll get to questions in chronological order here. Um, question from JSJR here. Um, what is the best way to utilize Saberson for prop betting? Also for hitters, for props, how can we see how many bases they're projected for? So we made a decision I would say over the past year or so to invest more heavily in the DFS product. We've had betting plans in the past, uh, but the co-maintenance of maintaining the betting product and the DFS product led us to feeling like we weren't able to really just go all in as hard as we would have liked into one of those or the other. So at the moment, there are no true betting plans offered within Saberson. We are, I would say in the future, looking at returning to the prop betting plan like we did for NBA last year, which is a set of curated picks, basically, uh, that we think are the best prop bets on a slate. 
given the simulations. But right now, there is no real betting plan. Um, with that said, I think you can use SaberSim to do some prop betting, mostly just because lines can get very inefficient. And while this isn't a super scientific, like Kelly Criterion method of doing this, um, one of the things that I like to do is, especially when I have just some some time to do it, is I will take I will take a look particularly at props where you kind of get like even the, the books are kind of trying to get like even action on both sides. Like in theory, like in a perfect world, like a minus 110 on both sides kind of bet. Like not like a home run prop where typically home run props aren't even two-way markets, but like they're, you're getting like, I don't know, 2,500 plus 2,500 to hit a home run or something like that. I, I don't like those as much because it's harder to intuitively know if something's a good bet, but something like strikeouts, right? Where if the line is like six and a half, they're kind of the book is probably kind of at least opening that at like minus one ten, minus one ten, or something like that. Anyway, and looking for a pro, and looking for a bet with plus money on one side that we clearly think is just the favored side of the bet. So for example, let's say like Zach Gallen, we have tonight at six point one nine strikeouts, right? Which means he's probably on average getting less than six and a half strikeouts, right? Six on on average, more likely than not to get six or less strikeouts. So you can do a quick scan. And if you find Zach Gallen at plus money, plus 115, under six and a half strikeouts, plus 115, that's probably a good bet. Now, we don't have the tools right now. The the tools to calculate exactly how much to bet on that are, are deprecated. Um, but you could, I think there's, there's you know, you can probably just conclude that that's a, a, a reasonable bet, bill bet there. So I have done quite a bit of that this season. I think uh, strikeout props are good. I think uh, total, you can use the innings pitch to kind of back out pitching outs, uh, which is a pretty profitable bet as well. I've liked both of those. Um, I've found that, especially if you look at these early in the day, there's typically a lot of an edge out there on these. Um, that is probably my best advice for it in the meantime. Uh, so we are just business-wise more focused on the DFS side for now. Um, that's the angle we are we are trying to build the best DFS products we can. Um, but I think we will return to looking at the betting side of things again here in the future. So uh, for total bases, there's not really a great way to get that, frankly. Um, we have for hitters like the uh, first base, second base, third base, and home run projections. And I think you could get kind of close by just saying first base is a single is a one a, a single is one base right a, a double is two bases and, and so on uh the problem though is like this is a mean average so like kyle schwarber has i, I like you're not going to get it perfectly because this isn't saying this this number is not saying in 55% of simulations Kyle Schwarber gets one single, right? This is saying on average across all simulations Kyle Schwarber gets one single per game, which is a a a difference uh, that probably is important as it relates to actually your betting props on on total basis. So from, short answer is I I just would probably just avoid that market for betting. Uh, using SaberSim uh, because I don't think the numbers are going to work out perfectly there. So um, anyway, uh, okay. Question from KG here. Uh, hey, what goes into your process after the night is over and you see the actual outcome versus what you projected the slate to do? Do you take any notes? Honestly, I don't do a lot of this. I, every time, I, I, every time this question comes up, 
I kind of feel compelled to come up with something to say, like, I did, like, I have this process of review, just have a good answer to this question. But the short answer and the honest answer is I really just don't. I don't spend a ton of time reviewing past slates. Um, I think it's easy to see ghosts there a little bit and start seeing patterns um, that, that aren't really there, that are more just the subject of variance. Um, I think in particular, you know, one of the things that I think can be very dangerous is when I, I hear people going through and playing with an old slate until they get the builder to print them a lineup that is like the nuts. And I think that way of thinking and operating with your DFS lineups is at best a waste of time, at worst, like a very dangerous way to end up like adding complexity to your process that hurts more than helps. Um, I would say this, if you want to do some review, um, I think it can still be a good use of time. I would review and I would check your assumptions, right? Check the assumptions that you used going into the slate, right? And this is going to be different for each individual player, right? If you are somebody like me, a lot of times what I am really counting on and the way I'm trying to think about how I'm getting an edge uh, in in my games is, is a lot of times through exploiting ownership, right? So if I'm making an assumption like tonight where I'm, you know, fading Shane McClanahan or I'm under the field on Shane McClanahan, that is dependent on his ownership projection being what I thought it was going to be, right? Maybe I'm willing to fade McClanahan even more because I think he's going to be 65% owned. Well, if he comes in 40% owned, results independent, it was probably a bad idea for me to fade or at least not as good of an idea as I thought it was because he came in so much less owned, right? Um, if you are you know, if you end up taking a stand on a certain player because his fastball velocity is down, right? Uh, the next Otani slate, right? I know Otani, when he played the Tigers most recently, he said he was sick. He got pulled early. His fastball velocity was down, right? If you think that he's tired, his arm is getting worn out, and you take a stand on Otani, right? Results independent, fantasy points results independent, it would probably be a good idea for you to go look back after and see what was that fastball velocity like and decide if you were right or wrong on that particular thing and use that as a, as a data point for in the future, do you want to do more of that or less of that? Should you be more or less cautious, et cetera? Um, so that, that's the, the, the kind of the best advice I would give there is, um, you know, if you're taking, try, if you're not making any like real stands on the slate or, or you're not really that strongly opinionated one day, one way or the other, uh, so be it. That's fine. But if you are, if there's some, if you're, if you look at your lineups after they, they are built and you or before, and you do something and you change something, try to figure out why you're doing that. Try to be, uh, qu try to quantify that and then check your assumptions after the slate and see if they were right. Um, so that's my best advice there. The one other thing is that instead of looking on a per slate basis, I will occasionally, you know, a few times throughout the year, go check and see on across many slates, um, what lineups made by players that I respect look like um, and, and see what they're doing, especially to answer specific questions. I think that's another situation where if you go in there blind and you try to ask, try to just try to just learn a process by looking at lineups, I think that can be misleading. But, you know, I've had specific questions about things like min salary and stack sizing and bottom of the order hitters and all kinds of stuff over the course of the season. And I'll go and look and see what Giant Squid's doing. Um, or I'll see what Kurt's doing, uh, or shady advice, or like these different players that, that I respect in our community here, and just kind of see how they're handling those situations. And that I think could be a good situation, but that's not on necessarily a per slate basis. That's, you know, when I have a question, I'll go check out the results DB 
thing on rotor grinders and just look that up and figure out some of those things for myself um, and answer some of those questions based on what I'm seeing those sharper players do. Um, so, but like, I don't, you know, the, another question that comes in all the time is people say, Hey, how do I use the review mode? Uh, and I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what you would really do with that to be completely honest. Um, it's there cause people want it. Uh, but I don't know what you learn from sorting your lineup's actual score lowest to highest after a slate is over because it's really just one data point, right? So, but anyway, I know that's not the most exciting answer there, um, but hopefully that's still helpful. That's My goal is that it's the most helpful answer, even if it's not the... Uh, the, maybe the exact answer you were thinking you were going to get there. Um, from uh, BBQ Nut, I've been putting approximately 350 unique lineups into play each night, multiple contests on the main slate using the profit plan. Uh, my player pool is 1,500. My lineup pool is 500. Uh, interesting. Okay. In your opinion, is filling my entries by using unique rank the optimal approach? I ask because upon reviewing my lineups the next day on SaberSim, I seem to find my highest scoring Saber score lineups are often towards the bottom of Sabre score, and they don't always make it into my entries. Is this likely due to variance or too small sample size? Thanks for the help. Okay. There's a few things to break down in this question. The first uh, is if you're playing 350 lineups, I would urge you strongly to increase your pool size to 1,500. It seems like maybe there was some confusion of the terms used here. You might already be doing that. You said player pool is 1,500 and lineup pool is 500. So I'm not, not totally sure... Mostly because a, a 1,500 player pool seems kind of high. Uh, that doesn't seem realistic to me. So I, I don't know. Anyway, if you're building 350 lineups, please make your pool size 1,500. It will give the builder more shots on goal in terms of finding the best lineups to actually build there. Um, the second question here, I'm gonna I'm gonna address this the question as it is written. Is it better to use unique random or or unique rank in this particular situation? I'm a kind of a unique random guy. Partially the main reason for that is because of just the way that the exposures work. So for example, right, if I'm looking at the exposures here and we have 80% Shane McClanahan, right, and I decide that I only want 10%, right, I'm going to take a big stand on the chalkiest pitcher on the slate. All 10 of your first lineups are going to have Shane McClanahan in them because they're the highest Sabre score lineups in the pool. It will only be after the, uh, or actually, sorry, our, all 15 of the top's lineups will have Shane McClanahan. And then you see, then it's going to say, okay, we basically used our entire allotment of Shane McClanahan. What's the, now the next best highest Sabre score lineup? And it's this one, right? So because of that, the more the more you edit exposures, the less consistent your exposures will be across any subset of your lineups. And I don't want, if I'm taking a stand on Shane McClanahan, all of my top lineups to go into my top contests that all have the guy I'm taking a big stand on. Unique random solves that problem by randomly assigning different lineups to different contests. So yeah, I still have 10 Shane McClanahan lineups in my pool, but they're going to go in randomly and I, I feel a little bit better about that. So personally, I, I like to use unique random. There are, you know, there are downsides to that. You have to be able to stomach the fact that your your highest scoring lineup and your number one saber score, your that your your number one saber score lineup could be your highest scoring lineup, and it could end up in a quarter contest because of how it randomly got assigned. But that can happen no matter how you fill your entries, right? Or your your highest actual scoring lineup can end up in your highest your lowest dollar contest no matter what you do, right? So I don't think that's a big deal, but I know that does bother some people. Um, the, the the final question here of I, I seem to find my highest scoring lineups are often towards the bottom of saber score. They don't always make it into my entries. Um, 
So that there's two there's two components to that, right? The first is that often it is unlikely, right? If we just look at this build, right? It is not very likely that your highest actual scoring lineup is going to be in your pool of 150, right? That is unlikely. That is probably that that is at least less than a 50% chance to happen, right? That is probably less than a 25% chance to happen, roughly. Your lineups in your and the reason why is because you're comparing apples to oranges in terms of the 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 size of these buckets, right? You're comparing 150 lineups to 1500 lineups, right? Now, so the other side of that is that what we're not what Sabre Sabre score is not intended to quantify the average projected points, right? Here's a perfect example. This lineup has a Sabre score of 98.9 and is projected for 98.4 fantasy points. And this lineup has a Sabre score of 98.8 and is projected for 101.6. On average, this lineup, right, is going to outscore this one. Higher Sabre score is likely to be outscored by a lower Sabre score lineup. On average, right? You can just tell that based on the projection alone. Now, why is this lineup scored higher? Well, it's lower ownership. Right, so you get more of a relative advantage when this lineup does score higher, and it probably this is a harder. I'm not sure necessarily, but it's probably getting a little bit more of a correlation boost because it has a five stack, a five two instead of a four four. I could be wrong about that, but it's probably the ownership that's the big factor here. So when people sometimes say, "Well, hey, why did my why why was my lineup with a 70 saber score that's lineup 1,346 score higher than all of my other lineups in my pool?" Well, one. Your Sabre score is not necessarily going to just always find the highest actual scoring lineup. But two, the goal of Sabre score is not to just find the actual highest projected lineup or the lineup that is expected to score the highest. It's 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 trying to quantify EV. It's trying to say what is the lineup that's the most profitable when the conditions necessary for that lineup to be successful are all met. Right. That's where ownership comes into play. Uh, So. You know, that those are kind of the two things I would keep in mind there. Um, this question comes in a lot, but those are the kind of the two other things I would keep in mind there is that if you're comparing, unless you are comparing equally sized buckets, you, you're, you're the larger buckets probably going to win out. And two, to remember that highest a- actual score results is not necessarily what's trying to be quantified, right? For the same reason that target scores make no sense in DFS. Anybody saying, oh, in baseball on DK, you need to score 200 points to win, doesn't really get DFS. Like, they don't really get what's actually happening there. Because you're trying to beat lineups in your contest, right? The number of points you need to win a GPP is the number of points you need to outscore the other lineups played in that contest. End of story. There's no there's no target score that makes any kind of sense. So in the same way that saying... Well, hey, my lineup that's lineup with Sabre score 75 scored 200 points and lineup with Sabre score 95 scored 120 points. What gives, right? Well, that might be the point relative to ownership or other things like that. So anyway, beating a dead beating a dead horse now. Um, couple takeaways here for you, BBQ nut. One, I would increase the size of your lineup pool if you're not already up to the 1500 max. Um, two, I prefer unique random because it just smooths everything out and makes sure that I'm getting roughly even exposure across all of my contests. Uh, nothing wrong with unique rank if you prefer that. Uh, I won't talk you out of that. And three, if you are kind of stress testing Saber score, 
set reasonable expectations by remembering that projected points and hot and actual points are not everything. And to compare the same size buckets, compare your top 150 to your bottom 150, right? There's an experiment that I think would actually be a little bit more fair. So anyway, uh, top over to YouTube chat, a couple of questions in YouTube chat here. Um, Eric said, say you got a three entry max and you want to do one stack of a certain team. How would you go about uploading that one lineup without making sure making all three entries, the same stack of that team? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a couple different ways you could do this. It kind of depends on what you're looking for here. Um, but let's, let's build a, let's build a three max. Probably don't need 500 lineups, but we'll, we'll build a little pool here and get this going. All right, about 200 should be fine for us here. Okay, um, we'll make a couple adjustments here to this. So a couple different ways you could do it. I mean, one way you can do this is to just come over here and say, hey, I know that I want one of my lineups to be a St. Louis stack, right? You could just come in here and say minimum 33% uh, exposure um, to a St. Louis stack, and that will just get you a St. Louis stack, right? That will not affect the other lineups. Um, you could even say min 33, uh, max 40, and that would make sure that you have exactly one lineup that has a St. Louis stack. Um, the other option would be, you know, if you are opinionated about exactly what that one lineup is, right? So maybe you come over here and you're looking at your pool. Um, and actually, before I do that, let me reset my exposures because otherwise it's, this, this thing's not going to be happy. Let me reset that. So another thing you could do here is like maybe you're actually just going through and looking at your lineups and you like like this lineup and you want this specific lineup and you've identified it as a lineup you want one way or the other. You can just lock it and it'll just be in your pool now. Now, the one thing to note is it's going to increase the size of your lineup set. So if you actually still want this to just be three lineups, change that back down to three. But there you go. That's one way to do it. So that is how I do it. So, yeah, and like, since you said, how would you go about uploading that one lineup without making all three entries the same stack? Um, you know, one thing you could also do here is just say like one, right? That's going to make that one lineup be the only lineup in the set. And then you could fill your entries that way and just fill the one single lineup. So, so cool. Uh, Patrick says biggest edge in NFL is week one. A lot of unknowns preseason play doesn't help. Yeah, I would probably say week one is probably one of the biggest edge opportunities in DFS. There are so many people that play week one too, like casual recreational players that are just like, you know, playing for fun. There's just a lot of dead money. Um, weeks like really like one through six are all pretty great for NFL. Um, so yeah. I, I don't even I don't even think it's about the unknowns. I think that's part of it. Uh, I think even amongst a pool of just very sharp players, there might be a little bit of an additional edge because of how how many unknowns there are. But the biggest reason there's a huge edge is because how many casual players are playing. So, uh, and then said thank you for putting up college football roster for this weekend. Should be interesting tinkering around with the sims. Yeah, I mean to be clear, there aren't there are not sims. So we'll have the slates up just like we did last year. Um, you can upload custom projections or set your own projections or whatever, but we do not have college football sims. So this is, this is what it will remain looking like. 
Um, and Neil noted, uh, Sims for NFL. Yes. So our NFL Sims are up, obviously, um, you know, there's two weeks before the start of the season. Lots of time for this to continue to dial in. Uh, there are some weird things that you will notice, I think, if you play around um, and dig in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, the initial the initial sims are up. Um, we, can, we can kind of start building some lineups. Um, I actually think maybe we just will. Um, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's do the main slate and just see. So we don't have ownership. So that's one thing to note. Um, which kind of makes sense. It's two weeks out. We'll we'll get ownership as it gets a little closer, um, but no ownership yet. But let's just like, I'm curious, like who are the plays, you know? Let's uh, let's do this. This is, actually we'll do this because they're all 50K plus. So for your like first down, something like that, the $1.20 max kind of contest here. Let's see what we get. Let's see what these lineups are looking like. I think it'd be fun. Um, so if anybody else has any questions, fire away at me here. I uh, don't see any coming in, but and we'll see what we'll see what kind of lineups we're getting. So Neil says I haven't dug dug in yet, but very excited. Yeah, I I'm I'm pretty excited too. I I've been pretty focused on like best ball and season long strategy and stuff, uh, which makes sense, but. I haven't like actually really deeply looked at the salaries and like started to think about week one strategy. Um, I think beginning next week, you'll really start to to hear a lot of that in the industry. People will probably start getting ready uh, and, and looking at it. So, um, but anyway, uh, Patrick says, I saw your projections are overrated video. I say ownership means a lot more. Yeah, we we I think we've had this back and forth before. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think you do. You've, you've got me there a bit. Cause I did say, um, that projections, uh, are more valuable than ownership in, in a past stream here. Um, but Eric says, where's the best ball simulator? Yeah. I would love for us to look at something like that. Again, a, a big focus out there right now for us is just to make the best DFS tools in the industry. Uh, so our attention and our time and efforts are focused on on the DFS side, but best ball has gotten huge. I would I would love for us to to go that direction. So um, anyway, uh, all in all in Eagles. It looks like. Um, let's see. Let's see what some of the lineups look like. Um, so yeah, Eagles. I mean, first of all, for those that like haven't seen Saberson in action for NFL. This is this is like the best part, right? I mean, look at this lineup right out of the gate. I, I love this lineup. You get Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, right? Like stack makes perfect sense. Uh, run back with Amon Ross St. Brown, right? All correlated. <clears throat> you get Saquon Barkley uh, with the Giants, right? Which there's a correlation there as well. That's like one of those secondary stacks as well, right? Uh, and then you get these elite other plays. You get the opportunity to get Christian McCaffrey, Michael Pittman. Uh, you punt at tight end in this particular lineup, right? Uh, and, you know, you'll get these kinds of correlations that you are hoping and expecting to see in your lineups. And it just, you know, the first time I see this every year, it just makes me smile. Um, because you you don't need to sweat, really, the, um, I don't know, the, those like secondary stacks as much, Right. Um, so, and I, I am likely to do a similar thing here that I do in other sports. Um, let's go ahead. Let's just play with this build a little bit. Let's just see what we're getting here. 
Um, so first of all, stack types look pretty good at first glance. I probably will leave those alone uh, for this kind of contest. Um, QBs, one thing I do generally, this is a general trend. I'm generally pretty interested in spreading out at QB. I like a, a pretty wide variety of stacks. Um, I don't know if I want to be the all-in Jalen Hurts guy. Let's see. We'll just start messing around here. Let's have some fun with this. We don't have ownership yet, so we can't do too much with this, but we'll match our field ownership here. We'll get exposure to a couple other teams. Um, let's go and look at running backs. Um, one thing I do like to do here when I'm doing just a little bit of like cleanup of my pool is um, I'll kind of just want to get a sense of if I have like any very low projected plays. Um, probably won't happen here in a 20 max, like of this kind of contest size. Um, but sometimes I will check just to make sure, um, and see like, what are the lowest projected guys in there? And do I think they have upside, um, wide receivers, I'm virtually fine playing anybody because wide receivers just independently have a ton of upside tight ends is a really good one to keep an eye on though. Like, you know, maybe want to make sure that I'm not getting, you know, too much, uh, Dan Arnold or, or Tyler Conklin or, or, or guys like this who, you know, as a punt play, I don't hate it, but for 20 lineups, you know, maybe not, maybe not the way I want to go. Um, but looks pretty good here as well. How do those stacks look? Um, I'm not a, the biggest fan of QB plus four. In fact, the fact that we're getting uh 14% QB plus four lineups, uh, and another 5% QB plus four here, uh, makes me think that that correlation slider by default might be a little high. I don't know if I love that. Um, so I'll take that down a little bit. Um, let's actually, let's, let's just, let's just play the smaller stacks here. Let's do the QB plus twos, QB plus ones, getting rid of QB plus threes is going to get rid of a lot of lineups, but that's okay. Let's do just this. Yeah. I think correlation's a little high by default, actually just looking at this. These look a little high to me. I don't want all these like ginormous stacks here. Yeah, there we go. So there we go. That should that should start feeling a little bit better here. Let's go look at like some of our not Jalen Hurts lineups and see what we're getting. Um, so, um, yeah. So I mean, and this is like another cool lineup, right? So you have Patrick Mahomes with Juju and Kelsey, right? In this case, you're not running back with Arizona on the other side, but you have Najee with the Steelers, right? There's correlation there, and you have this other secondary stack where you have Saquon and Kadarius Tony with Robert Woods on the other side. Right, so we're almost kind of like stacking two different games. We're giving up the run back from our quarterback stack, but we're stacking up basically another game while also getting the running back correlation in there. Um, in this case, uh, Trubisky, who you know, this is another thing that Sims will do a really good job of picking up on. Right, Trubisky's not as skilled as a quarterback. Right, probably a little bit higher correlated with his running back for dump off kind of passes than a guy like uh, you know Mahomes or something like that. Right where, you know, Mahomes can get the ball down the field a little more easily. He's not going to rely his dumping, on dumping it off as often. So you have this lineup here where Trubisky stacked with Najee, Deontay Johnson, Jamar Chase on the other side, right? The, the game script is already coming together. Uh, you know, maybe Jamar Chase, two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, the Steelers are playing catch up and throwing the hell out of the ball for the rest of the game or something like that. Um, and then what else do we have here? Uh, Christian McCaffrey correlated with Donovan, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, and then, you know, some other pay up for the tight end, double tight end in this particular lineup by punting in the flex spot. Kind of an interesting angle there. Um, you know, up to you if you if you like that or not, but uh, I don't hate it. And then a, a total punt at defense. Um, so I'm getting excited, guys. I'm getting stoked. Look at this one. I can just keep going, right? Mahomes, 
Travis Kelsey and Juju. Brees Hall correlated with the Jets, right? Contrarian defense play there probably against the Ravens. Uh, Houston, Michael Pittman and Brandon Cooks, right? Again, right on the other side of each other. And you get a payup option at running back in Joe Mixon. Like it's, it, it, it's, I think, so in baseball, like you, there's a, there's a similar level of satisfaction in baseball, right? Where like the first time you build lineups with Saber Sim, it's like, oh, wow, four stacks, five stacks. Like this looks great. That's good. But it's, it's, it's frankly, it's pretty easy to get that with other tools, right? Like it's not, you won't get as sophisticated as stacks and you don't get them as automatic, but you can use any lineup optimizer and say, only build me five stacks and you'll get only five stacks, right? So the coolest part about Saberson, I think, as it relates to football in particular, is how well you get these micro correlations so easily and at the right rate. Like the worst thing ever is like using a traditional optimizer and trying to program all of these. And then you forced them to show up 100% of the time. And then your lineups kind of suck, right? Like you don't, you don't necessarily really want these things to show up all of the time, right? You just want them to show up some of the time. You want all other things being equal. Hey, give me the guys that are correlated, especially for those secondary stacks. And you just get that and you get that so easily here. Right. Here's a different version of the different version of the lineup we saw earlier, uh, where we actually get the Rondale more run back uh, to the Patrick Mahomes stack, um, which is kind of cool. In this case, still the Cooks and Pittman like kind of ping pong game here. Um, Eli Mitchell and Aaron Jones, Steelers D, looks good. Um, so anyway, I don't need to sit here all day and just like explain away each of these lineups, but. Um, there are a lot of double tight end lineups. I think part of that, actually part of the reason why that's happening here, um, just for people watching, one thing we have noticed is at the moment, you will probably find that our wide receiver projections are just a touch low, just a little bit. Um, the main reason why is because we have to make some assumptions. There's not really a lot of data out there right now for this season. Like a lot of our data providers aren't up yet. Uh, for week one. So we had to make some kind of assumptions on the way that like things like usage and things like that were calculated, which is basically leading to a minor, minor bias against wide receivers. Um, it'll be fixed before week one. It'll probably be fixed far sooner than that. But um, that that's why if you end up building and you're like, man, a lot of double tight end, that's probably why. So um, anyway, <clears throat> uh, I got too excited. Uh, and um and started uh, geeking out on these lineups. So let's get caught up here. Um, uh, MA, the GOAT, says top two stacks. Uh, I assume you're talking about baseball. Um, you know, I don't do a lot of picks and stuff like that on this show. Uh, generally try to stay a little bit more to, like, educational content of, like, how to, how to get better at DFS over the long term. I would say, you know, honestly, best advice I can give if you want to go see what the, good, what the best stacks are to play tonight is build some lineups for the contest that you're playing, right? And see what's coming out on the other side. If you do that, you can't do that on a traditional optimizer because traditional optimizers just build you cash lineups. They don't know how to handle correlation and ownership and, and the ranges of outcomes of players. Saversim does. So you actually get something useful out of test building and seeing what you get, right? So you come in here, if you're saying you're playing the $4 20 max, tell us you're playing the $4 20 max, GPP 20 max, 10 to 50K entrance, build some lineups, see what you're getting on the other side. But... I suspect Toronto uh, Toronto was showing up a lot. It seems like we like the Reds quite a bit as a contrarian stack tonight. Um, but you run this build, you can see see for yourself. So 
Uh, Ryan says, Yahoo NFL out now, no negative management contest, but see everybody wins contest. What do you think about those? It depends. Um, let me, so I will say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. One sec. Um, I, I, they will almost certainly have their, uh, probably like guaranteed overlay contest up before week one. Um, oh, maybe not. Let me pull this up. This does kind of seem like this is maybe what they're rolling with because this is 100K. Ooh, interesting. I wonder. I I wonder if they just can't do the the guaranteed overlay anymore. I mean, that's expensive, right? Like people, everybody, everybody, you know, talks about how wonderful that is for the DFS player, and it is. But that is expensive for the for the site to put on. I wonder if they are not going to be able to do that. Um, these everybody wins contests. The one thing to make sure is, yeah. So I don't, I don't like these personally. Um, sometimes, at least I've seen in the past, sometimes the everybody wins contests are also no rake. But I don't like the idea of paying, of taking out this much money from the top just to pay people that scored in last place one dollar. Right, it, it just you're you're not building lineups to score in these positions, so incentivizing them, it just dilutes the 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 lobby a little bit, right? You get you get you get paid less for building the lineup that's optimized for this kind of contest, so Yahoo can pay two dollars to the guy that scored thirty eight hundredth. It's just it's just not my thing. Um, maybe there's an argument to be made that like it's a less variant game style. Um, but I don't think it would be the first contest that I would go look to play. Um, it's it's kind of clickbaity, right? Everybody wins. They're 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 marketing. I mean, maybe there's also an argument that it's a softer contest, maybe because of the way it's it's listed. But I don't know. I don't know if I'd focus too much on it. Eric says NFL more about correlations than projections. I mean, yeah, it's it's those blanket statements scare me. It's both, right? It's I think a, a specific way that I would actually say that would be. Projections, especially upside outcomes, are generally so close together for so many different players that you might as well correlate your lineup, right? It's not saying that, like, you're going to go play, um, I don't know, you're going to play Ben Skoronek uh, instead of, um, and I don't know why I'm just like, Ben Skoronek was the first name that popped in my line, instead of Jamar Chase, because you already have Matt Stafford in the lineup. Right, and I know that's an extreme example. That's not the point. It's it's all else being equal, and because it is so often very equal, you might as well correlate further. Anyway, to the question about the stacks, uh, Toronto looks pretty good. Um, I would say Toronto, Philly, White Sox, Royals kind of all stand out to me. So. Um, Neil says that he expects pretty heavy ownership on the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, they do look a little, it, it does seem like the prices are pretty generous there. So, um, and it seems like Swift and Amon Ra are also cheap on the other side. So it seems like the run back is, is pretty doable there. Um, you know what that makes me want to look at, you know what that always makes me excited for. Can anybody guess we're seeing a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Eagles stacks showing up on the first build and we think they're going to be chalky. I think I talked about this 
in a previous, I think I talked about this, this particular strategy that I like to look at um, in a old video, my like building 150 NFL DFS lineups using Saberson video on YouTube. It makes me excited. It makes me at least want to go explore a very particular angle. Um, curious if anybody, anybody wants to take a stab on it. I'm doing a little pop quiz here today. I'll even make it a little bit easier. So there's one player that I want to go now and look and see what their exposure is based on that. Based on the fact that Eagles stacks are showing up a lot here. I think there's a delay in chat. So uh, this is probably going to be kind of boring. Um, it is, uh, I, I often like to get a little bit different uh, by playing the passing attacks on chalky running backs and playing the running attack for chalky stacks. Um, there are soft negative correlations there where um, if we look at a guy like Miles Sanders is who I wanted to go see. If we click on Miles Sanders, he's probably going to have a positive correlation to Jalen Hurts, uh, but he will be negatively correlated to his other pass catchers, right? So as a way to almost, yeah, Eagles got it, Sanders, right? Yeah, so as a way to double fade uh, the, basically to to leverage against A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, which are going to be the most popular combinations for Sanders, um, would be to play Sanders, right? And we have a little bit of exposure here. He's in 4% of our lineup, so we could maybe do, you know, 20% here, which I know is a little extreme relative to that, but we have a small player pool. Um so we actually ran out of lineups here because so let's let's do let's go a little bit further here. Let's 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 run another build. I'm having fun with this. I'm gonna keep talking a little bit of NFL. We're all caught up on questions again here, I think. Um so let's run another build. I want to get more specific about this build and start playing around with this a little bit more. Um so um okay, so let's do this this time. So we're gonna keep everything as it is here, but I'm gonna build, let's build this for 150. Instead, let's build 1,500 lineups. I always think this is a little bit high. I think 49,000 feels a little bit more cozy to me. Um, that feels a little bit better. Uh, and then this time, I'm going to set a rules because I know that, that I want. Um, let's see here. I want one to three. Actually, I'm just going to say one to two here. Actually, I'm going to do this instead. This isn't exactly what I would necessarily just do, but I think for the purposes of, of right now, I want, eh, no, one to three is fine. That's fine. So I'm saying I want one to three pass catchers with my quarterback in every lineup, which is fine. And I always want one run back, and I want that run back to be a wide receiver or a tight end. Opposing team running back softly negatively correlated, so you probably won't get any anyway, but I just want to back that out right from the start. Um, and this will help make my stack types look a little bit better. Um, I'm going to keep correlation. The reason I'm doing it this way, just for those like kind of following along here, um, instead of just turning correlation down, is because I liked all those micro correlations I was getting in my lineups. I liked the running back plus defense. I liked the opposing teams, how often those lineups were showing up. I just want a little bit smaller major stacks. So I'm going to do this this way instead. Um, and this might end up making us really overweight to, to QB plus three stacks. I'm realizing that now. Actually, I think it will. So I'm going to just eliminate those real quick and then we'll start another build and then we'll play around a little bit more with this. Maybe we can end up with like an actual kind of like build, um, that I would like actually maybe play, um, and see. So Eric said, people are already hiking, hyping up the Eagles week one. 
That's wild. I don't know if I'm on board with the chalky Eagles, uh, a chalky week one Eagles. I might be on the other side of that. Right? I don't know. Um, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. Let's do one to two. Okay. That feels a little better. All right. Now let's run this again. Chalky Eagles week one. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think um that just that that seems like uh the uh the situation that seems like a situation that can go the wrong way quick, right? But I don't know. So I also sometimes that makes me interested in the other side, right? Like a lot of times I kind of think uh, a lot of times when I'm thinking about my DFS lineups is, you know, the field, the wisdom of the crowd, right, can be right. I think they're often right, but I think they're too specific. And that's kind of the, the thesis of like the Miles Sander idea, right? Like maybe the Eagles are kind of underpriced, right? Maybe the Lions have a bad defense. Maybe that's a good situation. But then the answer to exploit that by the field gets way too specific, right? Where like maybe... Maybe that's just a good game environment overall, right? Maybe the Lions are a little undervalued. Maybe Sanders is a little undervalued, right? Like I like those kinds of ways of thinking of like, yeah, okay, maybe the field is right on a macro level of picking out these game environments or teams or certain situations like that. But then there's too much consolidation onto a specific angle of who is likely to benefit when that comes out, right? So let's see what this build does here. Let's see if we can get the camera back on too. I feel kind of lonely over here. Talking head. Let's see. There we go. Let's see if it, it the the, uh, the camera stays on for the end of the stream here. We'll what we'll do here. We'll run this build. We'll play around. Um, keep in mind it's going to take a little bit longer to run because I set a stack rule. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll play around with this. We'll see what happens here, and then we'll we'll call it a day. But so. Um, Eagles had a showdown question. We can do a little showdown too. Maybe we do showdown. Maybe we'll look at showdown tomorrow. Um, he said, uh, why on showdown do you get a lot of 300 guys for showdown or why, why on Saverson do you got a lot of 300 guys for showdown? Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of a slate specific thing, but in general, the main reason why you'll get more of those really low salary guys on Saverson than you might be used to is because we're building the lineups based on single game simulations. So when you have like some backup running back that's 200 or $300, right? His range of outcomes actually really is like basically almost always scores zero. But in the situations where he's optimal, he's not scoring like one point, which is probably his average projection. He's scoring like six and a half or seven points because he got he luck boxed into a touchdown and that made him optimal. And average projections and traditional optimizers are going to miss that all the time because they're optimizing on the average, right? They're saying, how often does it make sense to use this 200 salary player that scores 1.1 fantasy points on average? And you'll get, you'll never get any of that player in a traditional optimizer because what that's too much opportunity cost for that roster spot, right? You can't, you can't have a player score just one point and be optimal in a showdown. But on Sabersim, because that guy can fall into the end zone one time and in maybe an otherwise low scoring showdown game, he's he's going to be optimal, right? 
he'll, he'll get in the end zone and he's he's cheap enough it just kind of like works out same thing backup tight end right that blocks 90 percent of the time that guy is never going to score his actual average projection which is probably one point but in the two or three or four percent of the time that he catches the like one yard touchdown or or maybe even a longer touchdown than that right then he's optimal and he's going to show up in those sims so that's kind of why you're going to see those and we can do we can talk more showdown contest we can like talk more showdown strategy um but that's that's like and like the higher the upside position there is the more likely i think that is to work like wide receivers i love playing super cheap wide receivers in showdown so neil says how good does it feel to start talking nfl i feel so alive yeah i'm hyped up i'm like i did not expect to get this like jazzed up from this um just like looking at the lineups i'm like I'm getting I'm getting pumped up. So anyway, let's let's look at this here. Now we've got some more we've got some more diversity. We've got a little bit more variety in the builds here. Um, we have, gosh, uh, almost 100% QB plus two with one run back here. Let's just let's just make that a done deal, right? What are we doing with the QB plus one? Um, the 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 consensus best stack in the world is what we're playing here. Um, so yeah, again, I'll I'll get pretty spread out with my with my quarterback stacks, right? I'll get pretty diversified. Um, I don't know if I'll go as crazy as like matching the pool exposure, um, but maybe like twenty five percent max on some of these guys, right? I just think I just think stacks and like quarterbacks in general is just a really good way to get different. So, um, and then let's go through here. Let's look at some team stacks as well. Um, So it's weird there's no Vegas showing up, at least sorting by saver score. You know what? Let's do one thing real quick. I'm going to sort by projected score for right now. Because, oh, interesting. Even by projected score, same deal. Um, the reason why is because we don't have ownership projections yet. So I was worried about that, like throwing something off. But um, anyway, um, let's go ahead here. And one other thing I'll do is, I, I again, I just want to look and see, like, what are the lowest projected players at each position that I'm getting? Um, I just want to make sure that I'm comfortable with the overall upside potential of these plays. Running back looks pretty good. Um, wide receiver. Um, you know, when you start talking about like the third, the third string wide receiver or the fourth string wide receiver for some of the teams, sometimes I like to just kind of take these names off. Remember, like the way I like to think about this is for 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 football, you're like. You're, you're not only trying to just have like a lineup that far outscores its expectation, but you're trying to have a lineup that like could could almost literally be the best. And I will do some trimming of the fat here at the bottom of lower projected guys, um, especially if they're not showing up in a lot of my lineups overall, just because like I don't know how likely it is that you need Byron Pringle. Joshua Palmer, I feel a little bit better on because I could just see a situation where the Chargers throw five touchdowns. Um, Chicago, it's a little bit harder for me to see it. So I'll kind of like combine an overall low projection with my overall thoughts on the quality of the team and do some cleanup here. Um, so I, I think I'm comfortable with this here. I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna yank Randall Cobb as well. Um, I might come back to these guys. I could see myself setting like a kind of functional minimum projection for wide receivers of about. Uh, seven points. One thing I used to actually do is just check the 95th percentiles and make sure that players had, I think it was like 15, at least a, at least a 95% chance, at least a 5% chance of scoring 15 points. But that seems a little low to me now. Um, but I think that's a decent rule of thumb there. 
let's go over and look at the tight ends. This is useful for tight ends, especially too, right? You can get some big punts, right? Like you might, you might, the Brevin Jordan play might work out, but he's only going to score. He's only going to exceed 13 raw fantasy points, 5% of the time, right? So I might just X these guys as well. And just doing some cleaning up of the player pool here. Um, Need to do this for the flexes as well. And probably best practice would be to have done this before the build. Um, But no, this looks pretty good. Okay. So a little bit of cleanup. Um, And then let's go over here. Let's see. I'm missing some questions. Um, Eric said people offer reference the bat and steamer. Those are average projections, right? Uh, Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, I think they both have like kind of, uh, induced floors and ceiling projections available as well, but probably assuming a normal distribution, which has its limitations. So yeah. Um, Ryan says the negative management fee contest were the only reason I was going to play NFL this year. Guess I'll stick to MLB and CSGO until we get NBA in October. Oh no. Really? It makes me sad to hear that. NFL is the best. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's soft. I, I'll tell you what. I mean, especially if you want to play low stakes on like DK and FanDuel and stuff like that, you're you're not you're not paying the whole rake anyway. I can tell you that. So, um, okay, let's go ahead. Let's look at our exposures here a little bit for these guys as well. Um, again, just to, just a sport that I will probably be much more likely to spread out than not. Um, I probably feel like I don't need more than two x pool exposure on most of these guys, and that might still be too much. Right, I might even come back down further from that. Um, I'm gonna say I'm I am gonna do that actually. Let's do 30 there. Right. Yeah, I like to spread out a lot in um in football. Um, and I may not actually end up spreading out this much, but. I'm just kind of trying to get things ballparked around. I feel like I went a little too hard on this. I probably would have backed off this a little bit. I don't want to just match pool exposure on every single player in the pool, but I do want to spread out more than I'm seeing myself get right here. So something like that. I, the max max exposure to any player being 30% feels a little bit more my speed. Um, again, kind of coming back full circle to the question we started with at the start of the stream here today. This is where I would then kind of iterate. Um and I would make sure that, you know, the way I, the different players I'm getting to are still players that I want to get to, right? Like, I don't know if I need Jacoby Brissett stacks. Um, that's probably the one name that jumps out of a guy. Maybe I want to avoid there a little bit and go back through um, and just see how this is shaking out. Make sure that I'm not like getting exposed to players that I just don't want to see in my lineups. I do think this is a good use of your time too, right? Like, legitimately ask yourself at the bottom range of the guys that are showing up here, like, are you comfortable if you look down at a lineup and you're heading into the afternoon games and the last guy in your lineup that you need to go off is this guy. Ask yourself if you're actually okay with playing that lineup, right? Because sometimes there's, I think a little bit of healthy lineup pruning that you can do at the bottom end here that will make you a little bit happier with the way things end up looking. So this is starting to look like a pretty good pool. Um, for me, I'm going to take off Hayden Hurst, who actually is having a pretty good training camp. I've heard good news about Hayden Hurst um, as being like a legitimate target for the, uh, for Cincinnati or for, um, yeah, for, for, for Joe Burrow. 
this year. So, um, cool. Another thing to check is defenses. I never want to be like too overly exposed to any one defense. 20% is fine. Um, so now let's, I don't know. Let's go look. I feel like the Jalen Hurts lineups are already boring me. So like, that's fine. We'll get to our Jalen Hurts. Great. Um, but who else, who else is in the mix? Um, what do we see as like the next QBs that are starting to pop up? Let's put this away and kind of see what we're getting here. See what's going on. Eric says, how good are the Jets going to be this year? I don't know. They are the Jets. Um, Michael Carter. I feel like, I feel like that's not the first Jet that people uh, mention, right? Um, Neil says, sounds like a 50-50 Carter-Hall split to start the year. Yeah, I could see that at least to get things started. Um, interesting, some Ryan Tannehill lineups are showing up here as well. I think uh, at least our Sims right now seem to kind of like the Giants. Like I saw a lot of Kadarius Tony and Saquon Barkley, so I can kind of understand where the other side of that comes from as well, uh, the, the Tannehill stack. Um, it is still getting those double tight end lineups a lot. I'm just going to assume that's kind of just a thing that'll just ultimately work itself out. Um, so an interesting, um, some Max Jones exposure here as well. Um, the one thing you'll notice too, this is part of the reason why I like to spread out is like, just looking like you can see how diverse these lineups are as we're going along, like how different they are from one another in both the stack and the other ancillary, ancillary, ancillary players that are showing up. I don't, I don't know why that vocab word just popped out for me, but why those, those other players that are showing up and look how little the projections are changing, right? Like we're, we're moving like a half point completely changing these lineup constructions. This is part of the reason why I like to play so diversified, right? I, people, people don't, I don't, I, everybody says, oh yeah, baseball, high, high, uh, high variance lineup or high variance sport, right? I just don't feel like football gets the same level of respect, even though it is, um, Eric says, I hate double tight end lineups. Yeah. So one thing to note there, right. You can, you can just stop that from happening by pressing this, right. Turning that off. The only reason that's happening at all right now, or one of the main reasons why, uh, is because we we are under projecting the wide receivers because we literally came out with these sims like two hours ago. Um, that'll get fixed, and then you'll start seeing more. Most of the time, you get like I would say many of your lineups when you're building for GPPs are wide receiver in flex, just because they are like higher upside positions. Um, doesn't mean they're all of them, but that's frequently what you see. Um, that will even out once we get that that fixed. So. Um, anyway, oh man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I'm looking through to kind of see if there's like particular games that stand out to me as games that I think are, are kind of interesting here. Um, I do like the Minnesota and green Bay angle. Um, I wonder how chalky, I know they're probably all going to be expensive, but I wonder how much that chiefs in Arizona game is going to compete at the top for ownership there. Um, it feels like that could be another popular, popular direction that people go in there. Um, these lineups look good though. Like, I don't even feel like it took that long. You know, I know again, we have that double tight end thing going on. I, I, I feel like I probably could have just removed this and I'd be like ready to enter. I'd be like ready to roll. Like, let's start the games. Um, it doesn't even feel like there's needs a lot of work here. So it's pretty awesome. Um, but and and Raiders uh Raiders um Chargers, right? That figures to be a pretty popular game too, I think. At least I would think so. Could be wrong about that. 
kind of depends on how pricing works out, but everybody's pretty cheap, right? You can kind of play whoever you want uh, in week one. Um, it does seem like pricing is pretty soft. So maybe uh, maybe that spreads out ownership a little bit. Eric says, FanDuel has the MLB live final same weekend as week one. How dumb is that? Yeah, that's kind of dumb. That's not great. But honestly, that'd make for a pretty fun weekend. Like anyway, I don't, I'm not going to live final. But if I was, like they they normally they take you to the game Friday night. Uh they uh then you have the final Saturday night. So as long as you stay relatively uh clear, clear of mind Saturday night, uh then you wake up the next day and you um you're you're building week one lineups, right? For NFL. That's fun. Before you get out of there. I would probably book a book a late flight home and go find somewhere to watch the football games on Sunday and fly out that night, right? That's that seems like the ticket. I think it'd be pretty fun. I think it'd be pretty fun. Oh, Eric's going. There you go. Well, congrats. Good luck. Um, good luck out there and enjoy it. That's that's awesome. Neil said the late games have the highest over under, so the late swap edge might be huge. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, the one thing is, I think on week one we probably won't have a lot of news pending, right? Like we might. There might be some questionable players, but I feel like, you know, compared to like week nine, we'll probably have a pretty good idea of who's going to be playing. Um, so. I'll tell you what, with correlation turned up to six, we're getting these secondary stacks like crazy. If that's your thing, like, I mean, these are, we're getting them in like every lineup. I mean, like this one, right? QB plus two with the one run back, Derek Henry and the Titans, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, Drake London, right? It's like one uncorrelated piece per lineup, which I don't know if that's a must, but I know that that definitely makes the lineups look pretty, right? I mean, probably same thing here, right? No, not exactly. They don't all have it, but they're close. A lot of them do. So. Anyway. Oh, Eric says the fr the final is Friday night this year with no game. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. That's too bad. I'm looking. I want to I, I find a, another one of these, like, pretty, like, over-the-top, perfectly correlated lineups. Um, we're, we've gotten pretty far down here. I've just been like idly scroll scrolling. Let's start going back the other way, um, and see if we can keep finding one of these. Um, here's a good one. There's another one for you. Carr, Devonte Adams, Darren Waller, Gerald Everett. So tight end run back. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. Tight end run back. David Montgomery correlated with the bears. Aaron Jones, uh, uh Adam Thielen, one off, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. So here's a good one. This one. Okay. This is the one, this is the one that I think uh, everybody's going to like this one, right? Trubisky, Deontay Johnson with Pat Fryermuth. run back T Higgins. You get, uh, Brees Hall correlated with the jets, Aaron Jones, Justin Jefferson, one off David Montgomery. That's the one, right? Oh, you guys can't even see that. I was covering up half of it. There you go. Anyway, I, I I don't want to give the impression that like playing these like perfectly correlated every player is like a perfect whatever is the is the best way to play. I actually think sometimes if you actually look at what the value of these correlations are, I think sometimes this stuff is overrated, right? Like we're we're typically not sweating like George Pickens, uh, you know, what 0.02 correlation to Joe Mixon, 
like we like in other sports, right? Like average correlations in basketball are a point one, and nobody even everybody basically just says it's a zero correlation sport. And then you have people obsessing over getting like 0.04 correlations, 0.06 correlations between opposing team wide receivers, right? Like this, if you're going to say basketball is a no correlation sport, then you, then you, then obsessing over correlating your Michael Pittman with Brandon cooks, I think is a little bit, I don't know, at least it's, it's a bit of a double standard there, but the lineups sure do look nice when they, when they are set up that way. Um, they, they sure do. So anyway, um, I don't see any other questions coming in here for everybody that has like stuck around with me here for the past half hour or so while we just nerded out on the first week one Sims. I appreciate all of you. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in here today. Um, I would encourage you go play around with some lineups yourself. Never, never, you know, I'll tell you what, for me, even as somebody I've been playing DFS for years, been playing NFL DFS for years, week one always comes up really quick, slaps me in the face. I feel like it's Sunday morning. I have an hour before lock. And I'm figuring out how I'm going to build my way too many, way too much action in DFS lineups for that slate with like no time left. So um, build some lineups, go, go start messing around. Um, you know, you have plenty of time. The nice thing with, with two weeks uh, ahead of time is you can, you know, start playing around, see what, see what kind of settings it's going to take to get the lineups that you want, right? Start with the baselines, but see what kind of settings it's going to take to, to, to get the kinds of lineups you want. Uh, mess around with the sliders a little bit. I think we're likely to change the sliders a little bit. See what kinds of constructions you're getting. Um, see how comfortable, see what you might want to do with your exposure. You'll be better prepared when week one actually comes around um, and uh, you'll be ready to rock. So we will, we'll be right back here again tomorrow. Same time. Well, actually not same time. Uh, Actually, no, probably about the same time. It'll probably be about 2.30 again tomorrow uh, as well. So uh, tune in tomorrow. If we have some time on tomorrow's stream, maybe we'll do a similar thing, but for the, the first showdown slate of the year, um, we can we can take a look at, uh, at, at uh, Buffs Rams and see what the, the showdown builds are, are coming up with. And uh, in the meantime, um, good luck on the baseball slate tonight. Good luck if you played the early. Good luck if you're playing the the, the tour championship. Um, still plenty of DFS going on right now. And I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. See ya.